Welcome to Sportin' Live. Introducing your host, Ed Draper. Hello there, welcome along to the podcast Sport and Life. How are you doing? I hope you're well. Half term in our world, so a few days off with my daughter for us, which is good fun. I hope you're having a good time wherever you are. Thank you for, for hitting on the button and being here. Thank you always to the sponsors, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high-quality customer service and installations. Check out Jason Briggs's uh, wonderful Bangalorefson Cheltenham store in the courtyard in Montpellier here in the uh, beautiful town of Cheltenham in the west of England or online, of course, Bangalorefson Cheltenham website, B&O underscore Cheltenham on social media. And through that company, uh, Serene AV, they can source you whatever you need in terms of your budget, your vision, big screen, home entertainment systems, whatever you're looking for, worth getting in touch with Jason and his team. doesn't have to be just that world-class, uh, kind of finely polished Bang Olufsen equipment. could be whatever suits uh, your particular circumstances. Uh, thank you to them. Thank you also to Cytoplan, food-based supplement company, for their ongoing association with the podcast. My father, Dr. Mark Draper, introduced us as a family to Cytoplan 20-plus years ago. He's worked as a consultant there, leading seminars on micronutrition, helped devise some of the constituents of some of the supplements, the multivitamins, vitamins, you may call them in particular, and has been an advocate for them. We still pay for them, albeit at a discount rate, those supplements, which we could offer to you. A lot of doctors in particular coming on the podcast, certainly advocating for vitamin D3, vitamin D3, again, if you're in the States or Australia, in winter as well, particularly if you've uh, got more melanin in your skin, darker skinned, in the northern hemisphere very key to to keep that vitamin d3 levels up through supplementation when the sun is just not around recording this on a, a blustery cloudy day in uh, late february so uh, hopefully uh, you're uh, you're well and uh, vitamin b12 is another one that a doctor who's coming on the podcast recommends for people who are following a plant-based diet nonetheless we'll get get to that in due course but if you'd like to try the supplements you can do it cytoplan.co.uk c-y-t-o-p-l-a-n.co UK. The discount associated with the podcast is 30% upfront, 10% on further purchases, and the code is DRAPER10R. My last name, D-R-A-P-E-R, one zero, the numerals, and the capital letter R. So DRAPER10R at cytoplan.co.uk. Right on to the podcast. Really enjoyed this one. As ever, Grant Holt, pretty familiar name for football fans in the UK, played in the Premier League with some distinction, played for big clubs like Norwich City, Aston Villa, Sheffield Wednesday earlier in his career. But as a really young man, had a lot of setbacks, released by his club, Carlisle United, and then rebuilt his career, had some spells playing abroad, including in, in Australia, yet came back and, uh, and achieved the, I guess, the ultimate aim of any footballer in the UK, playing in the Premier League, and as I say, became a kind of respected striker as well. And we talk about how he built himself back up from those early setbacks and how enjoying the process, enjoying just playing football was key, he feels, to, to recovering from any setbacks, any kind of perceived failures as they are. I think there's lessons in there, which is kind of what this podcast is supposed to be about, is discerning lessons from the stories of sports people and trying to analyse uh, what the character-building aspects of sport are. And that's a, a key one for him. And now he's turned into a gatekeeper because he's working for a scout as a scout for West Ham United Premier League Club. So interesting to get his insight on how you deduce who is right for a club. He was working in youth selection, which I think is um, a really sensitive area where a lot of players in, through academies trying to make it and then get setbacks and, and uh, rejected and then ultimately have to try and rebuild, as Grant did. So I think he had a lot of empathy in that. But now he's working at the kind of sharp edge of the first team at West Ham United, elite team, trying to select players and trying to shop, I guess, in competition with some uh, very affluent clubs in England and beyond. So it's an interesting one, what he's looking for, how he tries to find that talent. So here he is, uh, the one and only Grant Holt. Hope you enjoy it. 
Grant Holt, welcome to the podcast. I know you're still fiddling with your camera, but don't worry because it's audio only. You look, you look fantastic. It's you look in great shape still. How, how are you doing? Uh, all, all's good. All's good. Um, yeah, busy. Obviously, started a new job at West Ham just a uh, few months ago as first team scout, so that's going really well. And um, obviously, we've had a bit of a busy, busy time, but uh, no, really good. Enjoying okay. it. What, what, what's it like? We work at uh, scout at Norwich before. Is that right? You moved on. Is that or is it? Yeah. Yeah, I was doing I was doing the kids at Norwich and then um, doing like the younger ones, twenty one to downwards, and then um, obviously I got the opportunity to to go into West Ham and, and do the first team stuff. So um, I've done it for like two years, three years at Norwich, and then learned what I need to do, and then moved up with the first team. So yeah, it's gone really good. I'm curious to know what what it's like for you. How much pressure you feel in that role? Because looking at your career, obviously, I think you were released by Carlisle United and you worked your way back. It was a wonderful journey, wasn't it? Because you played, I think, in in Singapore and you played in Australia at different times at the very start of your career, and were in non-league, and then obviously had great success later on with, with clubs like Norwich and and Wigan. But I guess it's such a sensitive thing, isn't it? Scouting, getting the the right people through at the right time, giving people opportunities. Does it sort of is it something that means especially? to you because of your route into football? I think it's definitely helped me. I think in terms of where I've been and all the leagues that I've gone up with, it then gives me an opportunity to maybe see something a little bit different where sometimes you look just for different qualities and that's what I kind of try and see who can do something different hmm. and a performing It's trying to... All, recruiting is very much about everyone knows what a good player looks like. I think if we watch the Premier League every, every single week, you can see what talent's there. Everyone knows what you've got. But you're always looking for that little bit something different. Someone more has someone missed out? How can they make your team better? And that's what I think by being in the route and the levels that I've taken, I think it's definitely enhanced um, my knowledge and, and understanding of what, what to look for in certain aspects that maybe people aren't looking for. So I think it does help. Mm. Were, you, were you scouting for the senior team? Are you David Moyes first 11 at the moment? Yeah, so yeah, so I do first team now. Yeah, so for the first team. So that's, that's my, my remit now. So I said it's a great time to go in. Obviously, with the with the club doing doing so well and uh, and being at the top end of the of the Premier League, it's a really good opportunity to go in and and try and help us help us stay there and push on to to where the where the club is. I said with what they're doing now with the stadium and and where we're at, it's a, it's a good project. How does that compare to what you were doing at Norwich? Then was that sort of trying to find young talent at the time for for development? Yeah, it was more doing the younger ones, trying to get people into our our 23s and, and looking at younger ones for the first team who, who can succeed on the ones who obviously are going to move on. Um, and it was really good. I was enjoying it. I was really thankful the knowledge when I'd finished of taking me in and give me the opportunity to go and, go and do that, especially Stuart Webber who let us kind of say, well, which one, which age group do you kind of want to work with and where, what do you want to do? So mm. I said, I've done the coaching for a couple of years. Uh, I then wanted to try my hand at doing a bit of recruitment and, um, and I'm thankful for Stuart and the club to let us go in and do it. That's brilliant. And and what do you think, what is the status in football at the moment? Because it used to be that people had a quite a, a high ceiling of when they could, quote, make it as a footballer. Then there was a sense that you had to be in the academy by the age of six or seven or something like that. What's the situation now in terms of becoming professional footballers? There's always an outliers, isn't there? Like Ian Wright, Jamie Vardy and yourself, I suppose, in a way that came back into the the elite level late. How, how does it work for, for kids trying to make it? I don't think it's ever a time. I think if you if you're good and you and you bloom a little bit later, there's always an opportunity for you to get in. I think it's got to be the right place at the right time. I, I would say to to all the younger ones, even at Norwich or places and, and people we work at at the school that they were um, that at the moment we do. I run a football academy in the school um, at Langley. So what what we do is tell everyone you just never know who's watching. It doesn't matter what age you are. It, it also, it, like someone like me could be going to take in a game, sit on the sideline before you know it. I've put a good report in. Someone else comes to watch it. it. Might not be was who take it, but it could be someone like a Cambridge or something like that. So it's never too late. You've just got to keep doing, keep working, keep enjoying it. That's the most important thing. If you put too much pressure on yourself, like in any job, um, it then doesn't your talent doesn't come to fruition because you put so much stress on you. Yeah, I think no, the moment that it's almost knowing that scouts there as well. I remember being a kid; it almost you know make you feel that extra tension, wouldn't it? It's, it's interesting, but you have to almost put that out of your mind, I guess. Just enjoy the the moment that you're playing. Which, which it's like anything. If you if you if you go to work or you go wherever and enjoy it, if you don't, if you go to a game with stress, you're never going to do as well as you did beforehand. Some some thrive it, some hate it. So what I say to him is just always play every game like these people in the stand and people are watching because the day that you go and think I don't really fancy it today and it's raining and it's and it's windy and 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 you don't really put performance in. The likelihood is that the scout sitting on the side of the pitch is looking that 
does he enjoy playing the rain? Has he got on with it? Is he shirking? Doesn't really want to be out there? And they're kind of the key things we're looking for. We're looking for the statistics of the old thing. Can he do it at somewhere on a Tuesday night? <laughs> we need to we need to know can he do that because especially with with, with us in, in the Premier League, it's week in week out. The weather's could turn on the sixpence, and especially with Europa League, one minute you could be in the sunshine, next minute you could be back at. London, the rain's coming down next week. You could be going to Russia and, and it's snowing. So you've got to know that can they do it? Are they there because they love football and they'll do it regardless of what it was? And and that's why I try and tell all the young kids if I do any talks with or anything like that, look, just do what you need to because you just don't know who's standing there. Yeah, I guess it must be for West Ham now as well. It, it, you must be thinking when you're looking globally at, at players, that must be part of your thinking, is it? That what's the, the personality, what's their likelihood to be able to adapt to, to living in, in, in and around East London? I suppose there's lots of, lots of factors there. Is that is a different, different thing than trying to recruit young kids at, at the sort of level? Yeah, it's certainly different because obviously when, you, when you're recruiting at the level we are now, you're, you, you're looking at players who have, one, probably earned decent money already. Two, have probably got the, a host of clubs that are going to take them across Europe and it's what stands out and what, what we sell them so we've got to look at um, certain clubs have got a certain ideology the manager's got got his so we have to get players in who come and, and suit what we do um, and I think if you look at the West Ham squad it's very workmanlike running around the first thing you have to do is work as hard as you can for the team and then secondly is show, show your talent after that so that's what these are all the characteristics different clubs have got different ones um, but as I said you're going to know who wants to come to, to England and, and play because the Premier League's tough. Premier yeah. League is a tough, tough league. It's week in, week out, non-stop. You get, everyone says you get a break, but you get a break for about a week before you're back in. It's a tough <laughs> old league. It certainly is. It was interesting at West Ham as well, specifically. I told you, you don't want to give too much away, but the, the conundrum a lot of pundits have said with West Ham is that the club's been doing so well and they've got this great striker in Mikel Antonio. And you'll know, obviously, being a striker yourself, that the person coming in may well be a, a reserve. And the psychology of that is tricky, isn't it? Because you want them to push for that first sort of uh, port in the team, but it's quite hard to, to do. Is that is that a conundrum for you when you're looking at players to come in? I think I don't think so as much now. I think because in, in terms of the Premier League, it's so big, like we just talked about, and obviously we're fighting on all fronts now with the, with the Cubs, and you've got the um, you've got the Europa League as well. So it's kind of you need to have that strength and depth. I think in the Premier League now, I think it is a squad game. I think gone are the days when I was there that if you weren't in the first eleven, you'd be absolutely raging because <laughs> you wanted to play. Because yes, you want to play, you want to play every single game, but you've got to realise that it's a big process now. You might not be playing in one, you might be for the next one or you might be for two weeks' time. That's the process of the Premier League. It's sort of strategic now in terms of you've got to think about your season, you've got to think about your month rather than just be thinking a week to week. So as a, as a club now, I think if you're not going to be in that top tier and you're going to fight on all them fronts, you need to have a good depth of squad. And I think for where we are now, we, we, it's building that squad and getting it better and better. We've got some fantastic players to, to work around and I said you want to keep your better ones and you want to build on top of them. So that, that's what you need to do. What was January like? Was it was it highly pressurised for, for you at the club in terms of trying to recruit or was it, is it all done in advance anyway? Any any plans that you have? No, I think you, you do all your work all year to try and get to that point. I said things change and move apart. I said it, it, transfer rooms are always tricky because before you know it, you think you're really solid and you don't really need to one. And all of a sudden you want to add this and that. And all of a sudden you get, I'm not talking about West Ham, just clubs in general, all of a sudden they get an injury. And then bang, they need to go and sign someone. So you've always got to do your homework. You've always got to have a um, your targets. You've always got to have people, your positions you want to fill. The one thing you can be is not unprepared because what you don't want to do is get to January and all of a sudden you're going, oh, we need a, I don't know, just a right, whatever. And yeah. then, oh, um, we'll just write, he's a good, he's a good name, we'll buy him. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's, what, that's what you can be. You've got to be prepared that, if someone does get injured or, or something happens or someone gets sold or whatever it is, you need to be in a position where you can say, look, this is who we've got. But also they'll be in a position where you're not then clutching for straws thinking, well, we'll just get anyone because if you get down that route, you're in trouble. So that, that's part of the plan, like any any good business, really. Yeah, absolutely. And when you when you look back at your career, what were the, the lessons of of making it and what would you hold in your mind after you got released by Carlisle United because it's it must have been a hugely character building experience for you You did some traveling as as I mentioned with Australia and Singapore as well how do you look back on that and the the key ingredients to tell kids who maybe get setbacks early in their career I think it's just take take a lesson out of everything it doesn't matter if it's the early one or or when you do it when 
I think one of the, one of the biggest things I would say to him is try and keep it in your hands. If yeah. if you're if you're training well and you're doing stuff and you aren't playing and you just can't get in the team, don't take it personally. It's just someone's opinion. Uh, all you can do is try and do exactly what you're doing in the background. Try and do the right things, do the right lifestyle, train as hard as you can. Do what when you get on the pitch, do whatever you can do. And if it's not good enough, it's not good enough. What you have to do is then go. Um, if you move on and you get go down to League Two, which I said I think. I worked out the other day. I've done it four times where I made the decision to drop down and then come back. You've got to back. You've got to back yourself, back your talent, back your belief. Drop down to the level, show everyone how good you are, and then and see where it takes you. And then when you get the next opportunity, try and show them again and, and see where it takes you. And as I said, for me, I left. I left Nottingham Forest when uh, we just got promoted to the Championship and never playing there. I made the decision to go down, go down to Shrewsbury when everyone was thinking, "What are you doing?" But I got sold a dream by a chairman, and and he was probably the most honest person of. I've ever met who told me, look, come and come and find me out the league if you don't, and someone comes and gives me the money, I'll sell you. Yeah. Um, and that's what happened. So I made that choice. I backed myself. People thought it was mad, people thought it was stupid. Um, three years later I was sat in the Premier League. So mm. you you make the it Premier out of what you with will. Norwich. Was that with Norwich? With Norwich, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's an amazing story. So is, then, it, is it key to go somewhere where people appreciate you? Because you say opinions vary, don't they? It's almost good in life to find that person who who values you. Yeah, it's always easier when someone when people buy you. My my problem I had in Norwich when I went there, the manager bought me didn't last very long. So I was always under the. You know, my only saving grace was the manager that came in, knew a lot about me, and he was going to try and sign me, but he couldn't afford to. So uh-huh. that, that 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 was the luckiness. So that's the second bit of part of it. Do what you need to do, but you've got to be lucky. You've got to yeah. be lucky. You've got to try and stay injury free. I said I took me all the way up until I was thirty three when I done the ACL at, at Wigan, and that was basically kind of me done enough uh-huh. after that anyway. But. Um, You've got to be lucky, and I said, and also you've got to back it and try and put it in. You've got to, your talent will sign through. As I said, that the one thing about football is the better players you play with, the better you become because they now start seeing things that you used to do that people didn't see. Yeah. And that's what I got at Norwich. I, I landed at Norwich with better players, really good footballers, uh, a good group of, of people, and, and and on and off the pitch. And, and they got the best out of me, and hopefully I got the best out of them. Who are the two managers? The one that signed you and the one that then that then kind of brought uh, you in. Brian Gunn and yep. then um, and then Paul Lambert came in. Yeah, of course, two kind of legends. I remember sitting. Yeah, he is. So when he left, but I remember sitting on the bus and we had all these rumours for ages that um, who was coming in as Norwich manager and there was names here, then everywhere. And you sit on the bus and then Wes Hulan pulled me up, who obviously had been with mm. New Paul. And Paul and he said, "Oh, Paul Lambert's got it." So I, I knew I was I was easy then. So I was quite happy at the back of the bus. So <laughs> been trying. He'd been trying. He'd been trying to sign me for three months, so I kind of knew I was going to be all right, which was good. Brilliant. That's quite a Champions League winner as well as a player, so that's that's good to have that endorsement, yeah. isn't it? it was, uh, yeah, as long as long as he didn't, when he used to join in training, that was about it, really. He used to get, get to see his quality, but he didn't join in that often. No, no, no. What was it? Was he the most influential person on you, you think, in your career? Or was it someone earlier on that kind of got you back into the game or, or gave you that encouragement? No, I think I think he was the one that got me the absolute most in terms of he knew what buttons to press in terms of where to give me a kick up the bum or when to put the arm on the shoulder when he used to have to go at me to get the best out of my place. He was the best at man managing me in terms of what he knew what how to get the best out of me and, and let me play and enjoy myself. So I was I said I was lucky I had Steve Parkin when I went to Rochdale, who took me there from Sheffield Wednesday and he was perfect for me because he started giving me the you need to do this, you need to do that, and and started really locking into my the way I was as a person outside of football in terms of uh, doing still a bit old school, going out on a Tuesday night with the lads, Saturday night drinking, Sunday all day is, um, and he was like, no, you can't do that. You need to you need to really start doing things properly. So he he was the one that probably gave me that that big kick from there really, um, and then obviously I went not in Forest, and then obviously a few from there. So. Yeah, I've been lucky. I bumped into some good people along the way. Kenny Law when I was at Barrow when my dad had passed away. Mm. Another one who just kind of got me pulled by the horns and kind of said, look, this is what you need to do to get a career. And and I'm thankful to all of them, really. A lot of them have a big part all the way through. You're quite grateful you had that that sort of adversity at the start. I think it built you as a as a person, as a footballer as well. Yeah, I think so. I think it, what, what it done is I always said to him, my dad, my dad passed away and then three, about a month and a half later, I got told that I'm not good enough to be at the football club at, at Halifax. So yeah. I, I learned there and then um, that football is ruthless. There's no yeah. one that doesn't. 
everyone talks about loyalty in football. Everyone talks about the loyalty of um, being loyal to the club and this and the other. Uh, no one ever talks about the loyalty when the club does not want you in the building. No one ever talks about yeah. that loyalty where you're a disused. You've just talked about bringing better in players and different stuff. No one cares about that guy anymore that's getting kicked out the door and he's got to move his family all across. Because And the, the reason that everyone talks about it is because we're all footballers. Mm. So we should be looking because we've all got a good job. That, But they don't realise that when you walk in the door and all of a sudden you can go in on a one week and the week after they say, right, it's transfer window. You now got sold and we're moving you from Brighton to Carlisle, just for instance. Yeah. And all your family's got to move. Well, I don't want to move. Well, if you don't move, you're going to sit here in the reserves and you're going to keep the football for the rest for the next year and a half. Yeah. No one talks about that bit because that, that isn't jazzy. That isn't yeah. fun. So I learned quite early on that um, football's ruthless. You've got to kind of look after yourself. Yes, it's great to have be at a football club and, and get lauded and everything like that. But when, you, when, you, when you're not ready, you've got to look after yourself. And, and the main one priority is you've got to look after yourself because if you don't, um, you, you don't get looked after. I said, and, and what you learn as well is when, when, you're, when you're 36, 37 and you hang the boots up, yeah, you don't get. Yeah, even Stephen Gerrard didn't get a contract for life at Liverpool, did he? And after all he did, you know, that's interesting. Well, well, that's it. Look, I think clubs always look after. You. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here. I said I'm still an ambassador for Norwich, and, and Norwich have been fantastic to me. I do a lot of work um, with them in the community and different stuff. So I, I'm not saying that we don't get looked after, but I just, in terms of your playing career, you've got to look after yourself because if you don't, um, it is ruthless, and that's what I learned from an early age. So, and the one thing it did teach me was. Don't if it's a, if it's a setback, let it be for football and reasons, nothing else. That's mm. what it taught me. It taught me to be, but it also taught me to enjoy it again. That was probably the biggest thing. Mm. I'd gone through, I'd gone through a spell at Halifax of being of enjoyment of playing week in week out. I went to Halifax and I didn't play, and I wasn't playing. I didn't enjoy it, and I, I lost a little bit of love for it because I just wasn't enjoying football for what it was. Yeah. As soon as I went back to, as soon as I went back to Barrow, then went to. Um, went to Sheffield Wednesday and I just learned that football is you should love doing it every day so you should you should try and enjoy it even though I'm probably the worst football trainer you've ever seen and probably <laughs> anyone you speak to on these podcasts will probably slag me off saying I'm the worst trainer really um, what, do you, what, what, I, I what, still, what intensity or what kind of I just didn't I just didn't enjoy it I just didn't enjoy it unless it was like unless there was a really something on it, like a small sided game or something where it involved mm-hmm. beating another team, I didn't have that hunger because they were t- my teammates at the end of the day. The yeah. moment that the referee blew the whistle and that was it, it was like nothing else mattered. I just didn't want to lose. So I needed that real um, spark, the crowd. I need everything about it. That was my thing. Um, a completely different player from Friday to Saturday. Not many mm-hmm. people, they always talk about people can't switch it on just on a day I could. I could turn it on for them matches and, and training never really bothered me. And as I said, I was probably one of the ones where if you had to ask the lads to do last pick, I'd have probably been one of them last pick. That's the worst feeling. I remember that for the playground as well. It's the worst, uh, the worst feeling. It's funny when you, you, you look back and you, you talk about the challenges you've overcome and, uh, as a person and a footballer. Do you feel any, this sounds a wild thing to say, but any sympathy for these lads who become sort of multi-millionaires, late teens, early 20s. I know that sounds a wild thing in the, in the context of our society to say, but you just wonder, I heard Peter Schmeichel talking recently about the 90s and the drive that that Manchester United squad had still still when they first broke through as Premier League champions. They're still paying mortgages, responsibilities, yeah. fathers and husbands. It felt like there was a, a sort of a seriousness to it and a, and a desire that, that perhaps would ebb if you, if you had that thrown at you so early in, in life. I think it's a weird one. I think it's this twofolded um, in terms of like we talk about the social media stuff and, and, and Instagram and Twitter and this that and the other and, mm. and all that kind of but they put themselves in a position where yes, sometimes they do it's there, it should be for real good to retweet this for someone who's this or whatever and, and try and do certain stuff to use their goal. Marcus Rashford, prime example, he uses social media to Mm. To, to to basically share, share the government into doing what they should have done in the first place. That's why it's fantastic. I think a lot of times is they get themselves embroiled in certain stuff they don't need to because they've got more than enough money to mm. not have to worry about if Instagram is going to give them £100,000 a week or whatever. Mm. They don't need to get involved in that side of stuff. I think they can do what they need to do and they're good at it. I think some of the stuff that they actually um, they do on their, the socials brings more heat than it needed to. Um, but no one's going to feel sorry for them when they're on that much money. Um, only that, only they'll know how it's going to do. And the thing is, it's a minimum. The, the thing that annoys me is it's all a minute. If we go through the Premier League now, 
and you look at every single player who's on probably a hundred thousand pound a week, there's probably about we'll be getting on at probably eighty at least, at least. Well, there'll be more than that, but we'll just use we'll use a hundred for a prime example. Yeah. Um you, you can't really tell me one. There's probably about three people just in a hundred now where you could probably give me a story on them in the next few weeks. Mm. So the actual majority of football players don't um don't really get that in that much trouble yeah. in terms of how it is. And I think they can deal with it and I think they're quite good. I think they're getting better in terms of how they work and behind the scenes. We do a lot of knowledge when I was in there about doing a social media, what it looks like, tweets you've done earlier, what it, how, how a tweet can be put out and deemed differently. Mm. And I think it's education-wise. I think in terms of them boys, they'll be at a level now where they won't get bankrupt or they won't have to do schemes. And like you talk about Peter Schmeichel and stuff and, and mm. different stuff, they, their money... Wasn't at a level, then he got to a level and then he had to manage it. I think that's different. These boys now are on so much money that managed properly that they should be set for the rest of life. The balance needs to switch from everyone talking about the top end to everyone at the bottom end. Mm. That's what needs, that's where the balance needs to switch. What, we the, always ch- talk the, about all, the, what the challenges for the clubs or the players? I think the challenge is for both in, mm. in, in theory. I think it's a challenge for the, the, the lower league and also for the players. Um, the money at the bottom level, like anything, is 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 difficult. Um, yes, I, I speak to someone last week. I, I heard someone say a stupid comment about, oh, it should be. It was someone at Carlisle or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about, oh, if I was a football player, I'd do this and that and the other and blah, blah. What they don't realise is, like, the guy in the player is doing the job he loves and he's on all this money. Some of the lads at Carlisle are not even making what people, the builders, make on the weekend. There's, yeah. friends of mine who, there's friends of mine who do jobs in on the roads and if I get more money than a football player and they don't understand that they're there trying to do it because they love playing football they ain't there picking up the money mm. they're there because they love playing football and it's a great lifestyle for the job you're going to get That that's what they do it for and I think it needs they need more protection like in terms of trying to get them into jobs after football yeah. like if you've, if, you've, if you've been a football player and you've been in League 2 for 15 years for instance mm. so probably the best you can probably hope for is you, your house wherever you live in Manchester wherever which as we know, in high house prices now, in Manchester probably four or five hundred thousand pounds for a three bedroom house. Is it? Like you, you've got wow. well, get getting there. That, that's yeah. what it'll be in 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 a decent zone. So, but you you've got to work that whole career to probably get that because yeah, pay that mortgage. The way, yeah, pay state to pay that mortgage to get it thing. But also on the top of that, we then expect them to be. Um, do you want to do an, you don't want to do a, a B license course? That's two thousand pound or whatever. It's eighteen hundred pound to do your B license. Mm. A, a lot of a lot of money and a lot of them obviously do it then you've got the air license which goes up to nearly three thousand pound then you've got the pro license that then gone mm. up to like nearly eight thousand pound does the pfa help with like, that or not the the, the subsidized percentage of it depending on but it's a, it's across the board so just because you've had a better career doesn't mean you've had it and, uh, and yes they, they, they get help but it's like these are the people we need to worry about because these are the ones that are leaving and finishing their career at 35 36 yeah and then they've got a long time to carry on. And if the only thing they've ever known is football, um, what is it going to be? And, that, and that's where it needs looked at. There isn't enough jobs in terms of where they need to go afterwards. Um, I think teams need at the lower end need a helping hand because they can't afford to have scouts and recruitment and this and the other because it's a big cost for them. So they're always doing it on a budget. Um, and I think it need the balance needs flattened out somewhere. I think some something needs to happen because lower league pitches, it's like we talked about AstroTurf pitches and games getting called off and this, that and the other. And they won't let them come in the league because of X, Y and Z. But you've got someone like Sutton, for instance, who had to go up to the Football League who yeah. had to rip a million... Doing well had now, to yeah. rip a million... Had to yeah. rip a £600,000 pitch up that, that was in use every single evening for the community mm. and they couldn't use it anymore. Yeah. So if I had to choose... I use my club, obviously, I'm a Carlisle fan, for example. We've got, a, we've got, an, aging, we've got an aging ground that's fallen apart. It's fallen to bits. Park, we've yeah. got um, we've got Brunton Park that's fallen to bits. It's been flooded twice. Um, they can't move because of things. With, there's no land, no council. Um, they can't put an astroturf pitch on there, which would make them a fortune because there's, enough, there's only one full size pitch in the whole of Carlisle, and they can't do it because they couldn't use it on a weekend. But week in, week out, all over Christmas, all over New Year, all over December, Carlisle games get called up for waterlog pitches. Mm. Yeah. So it's like how how, how are they ever going to how are they ever going to get there without billion pound investors, hundred million pound investors coming in? So 
I think something needs sorted. I think the money from top to bottom needs sorted from the Premier League down to League Two. I think yeah. it needs micromanaged better. I think it needs a better proportion across the board. I think no, when no, they can improve the like stadiums. That, they can improve the stadiums and the quote-unquote product or whatever, can't they? But they then get and the, the facilities. Yeah, and the facilities which will in any turn make better younger players, which will then because they can train on them more, which then gives better players to go into upper leagues, which makes better English players, which then makes a better top end of England, and that that's what needs needs looked at because we ain't um, we ain't. The only way Carlo produces a player, they bring a player through, is a good player, does his stuff, then we sell him and he goes on to bigger and better. That's how the club operates. They never get the ability to hold anyone. And I think the, the money structure from top to bottom, what, what's the point in Man U getting all that money off the Premier? Yes, they're going to give it the wages, but they get that off Nike anyway and they get that off the stadium. So I think a bigger proportion needs to go down to League Two. I think a, a bigger proportion needs to go to the Championship. I think there needs bigger regulations that these teams can't just go. Prime example... Rangers buying, um, getting Aaron Ramsey and then them subsidising his wages, all his wages, nearly whatever £300,000 a week it is. And how is that right? Juventus, yeah, yeah. Juventus, how is that, how is that right? Mm. Yeah, no, it's... And, and, and it's, it's like, if you look at the leagues, it, it, just, it just all needs proportional because they, they, the lower ones need, need, need the help. They haven't got the wages, they haven't got the facilities to do it. So if we want a really strong league of four, four teams... It needs looked at. I tell you what, even at the moment as well, particularly, isn't it, because of the pandemic, the effect of not having gates at some of these football league clubs has been really challenging. I know that my local club, Cheltenham Town, because of the sale of Moisa, the striker a few seasons yeah. ago, had some residual money in the bank that actually got them through the pandemic and actually ended up getting promoted last season as League Two champions, got up to League One and they're having a, a real battle now. But they've actually lost one of their key players, Ben Tozer, to a non-league, yeah, totally. Wrexham. Because obviously Wrexham are on the up, got the Hollywood connections, they've got more money, and this guy's in his 30s. And you think, I mean, I don't know whether you reflect upon it. If you were a League Two player or you had the option of playing maybe lower end of the National League on decent money and could work and get a job, like you said, there's almost, you speak to people who think that's a more attractive option because you're not committing everything to football for 15 years and then struggling. It's a difficult challenge for the clubs and some of those players, isn't it, down there? Well, it is because the regulations is in the National League. Look, I look. I think the National League's fantastic. I do loads of work with BT on it and do all the stuff. Same with, yeah. obviously, Aaron, who, you, who you've had on. Um, but the, the money's phenomenal because there's no regulations. Yeah. They can spend whatever they want. How are, you, how are people spending three and a half, four thousand pounds a week on plays in the National League? Mm. How, how do you compete with that? How, how is that regulated? How, how, I, don't, I don't understand it. Um, and, it, and, it and it needs looked at because, obviously, look... It's one of the things. If they've got a lot of money, I've got no no doubt they'll go up. And 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 it's always one of the things. If they're doing the right way, then you can't you can't damage them for that. They've got to do. But it certainly makes you think. Well, if they're doing that, and it's always about the big owners. How is everyone going to get to a level playing field? How is everyone going to get not a level playing field because that never happened? But how is everyone going to in League Two, League One get any better if it's mm. always going to be a scrap and a fight week in week out to try and just keep on and and also see the thing that's annoying about it, it gets it gets put onto the fans. Yeah, and that's 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 the crux of it. So no matter where it goes back, to be fair, if you wanted to go to Carlisle now and and I use them because it's my League Two team, and you want to go there, I always buy a ticket when I go. I don't get a freebie. I always go and buy one, which cost me twenty odd quid. Yeah. Turn up at the gate. If you take your my nephews with me, there's another nine quid or whatever it is before not I'm forty eight pound forty eight quid down. It's a sixty It's a sixty five pound there to go and watch my local team. So it's get. All this, all this money that should be felt down isn't is now getting passed on to, to, the, to the fans. Even during the pandemic, virtual tickets weren't there. That was a big, significant thing actually. That, that even the fans weren't allowed to go, but they're still supporting the clubs, which is amazing. You think. And that, and that's it. And that's at that level, isn't it? So, and I said, I just think it needs all really looked at. I think it needs all structure. I think if we want to have a really strong four leagues and we want to start building things for the future, we always talk about steps and what we're doing in the England pathway and stuff. I think it's, I think sometimes it's a bit of a washed over I think we need to sort out certain stuff I think we need to sort out ex-players coming out better in terms of where they can go for jobs wise and I, and I think it needs all looked at up across the board to be honest Yeah I suppose ben, ben Smith wasn't it his journeyman book said that once you become 25 in the lower league you become a kind of um, a, a non-profit a non sell-on commodity so you, you've got a different kind of value in the club do you think is 25 when you'd look at getting a qualification for, for future careers start looking at that Grant is there any advice that you give to players who are that, that level Yes I think if you I think you've got to do it while you're playing. I think when you finish, it's too late. I don't think you've got any time to get it done. I don't. Think you, I think it's in terms of you come out of 
look, the thing is, like, the, the one thing with that is you just don't know when your career is gone. When you start becoming that level where you haven't got your three-year, four-year contract and you're going year to year, six months to six months, some people do it for the last seven, eight years of the career. Every year they get a year mm. or two years. And it can be taken away from you like that. One minute you're sitting there, you've got a contract, then no one wants you, then you can't go anywhere else and you're, you're out of a job. Yeah, yeah. Wherever it needs to be. So I think I think you've got to do it where where you can. I think you've got to kind of get get all these badges done. Then it goes to the argument, is there enough coaches coaches and there's enough courses for people to get on? Because it becomes it becomes a selective, selective kind of kind of thing. So yeah, there's, there's certainly things. Well, I suppose there's other you could train as a teacher or, or or whatever it may be. Yeah, but yeah, but a lot of the stuff you've got to do, a lot of that falls. Then you're trying to be doing one career while you're falling around the other one and trying mm. to do that with the evening courses. And if you if you've got an evening course and it's on a Tuesday and Thursday, like it is, you'll be if you're in a lower league, you'd be playing a game on a Tuesday. Yeah, and then and then you might be travelling on the Wednesday or whatever that is. So I'm, I said, there's a lot of things that needs done in it, but I think people need to take it. And I said, I, I was looking at. When I got, I'd, I'd already done some TV work for BBC Cumbria when I was up there. I'd done a bit of radio. I'd, I'd, I'd had a show with James Phillips on BBC Cumbria about sport. Mm. So I'd kind of got the journalist bit of stuff. I was fortunate enough that I started reaching out to people like BT and other people to then go and do work. And thankfully, I had a, a name at a couple of clubs where I could get some work done. Um, I've done a bit, obviously, for Sky and stuff. So I kind of preempted what I kind of wanted to go into and done my stuff around the side of that. Um, and I think that's what they need to look for. I think I always tell our, our people around us that it's a short career. You never know how short it could be. You can get injured tomorrow, the old saying, and, and that you're done. And that is your reality. You could do your ACL and never recover and, and that you finish. So try and try and always think of the worst, really. Yeah, it's difficult because for a lot of us who, who want it to be footballers, it is the dream job, but you realise there's a lot, lot to consider unless you are financially made for life. And even then, the psychological issues once you retire of not having a purpose and, and not having a, an occupation that you speak to a lot of ex-players it's, it's really challenging it's like the military it's like the military yeah. that's what football's like it is you, you get told what time you need to be in you get told that's what you can have for dinner over there you get told that this is what you're doing this morning this time we're finishing then you've got lunch and we're starting out at three o'clock and then you can do that tomorrow and this is what's happened tomorrow and it's like the military without the scariness of going actually to war um, <laughs> yeah but, got angry fans on back though yeah it could be scary yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's very disciplined and that's what it is. And then when, when you do come out of it and you now got to go to the gym yourself to try and keep yourself in shape and you haven't got the people telling you what to do and where to go, it, it is scary. And I said, that's why you've got to, you've always got to think the worst. Try and get your head around where you're going to be and what you're going to go into. And I think that's uh, that's key to it, really. Is keeping physically fit key? I, I heard that you were into wrestling at one point. Is that right? I don't know if that was... Yeah. Just try and do everything. Try and do everything. I've done a bit of, yeah, I've done it for, for charity. We made quite a bit of money for the Big C, which is good. I said I kind of do. I've done a sky, a sky dive last week for charity. It's just I don't know what's happening to me. I think I'm just trying to do everything at the moment. Um, you can't do that when you're playing. You're not allowed to sky. Are you allowed to skydive when you're playing? Nah, no, 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 no. I'm not allowed to do it. So that and bungees, I think, one of the main things. So hmm. I think it's part. I think it's part mentally though. You, you like when when you've done your when you've done training for so long and so many. Yes, you you've got to mentally do it. And obviously, if you want to go down the court route, you can't be telling someone to do this, do that, and then you can't run around the pitch. So <laughs> you've got to be, you've got to keep yourself to you can let let yourself go a little bit, but not too much. What does your week look like now? Then is it is it sort of sedentary? You're looking at tapes, or are you getting out and about to go to games? I suppose the pandemic. Uh, yeah, it's pro it's probably a bit of both, really. So we um, obviously we do quite quite a lot of video stuff in terms of because obviously we can't can go down different regions, uh, just looking at different players, trying to get certain stuff and certain people's names and try and work do a bit of work on them. But obviously, our attention now goes to the summer, um, depending on where we are and what we're doing. Um, we're watching games um, locally, um, going to wherever it could be, Championship, Premier League, or wherever wherever we kind of think might be worth going to game and. And it's important. It's important to keep looking locally because pe people just crop up players just in England come up. And I said, as a club of West Ham, we're known for the youth and bringing players through. Um, it's certainly a, a key aspect of what we look for. Is trying to keep homegrown as well as as, as a good mix, really. Yeah, I suppose it's important, isn't it, to see them off the ball and how they're like you said, as a person, how they are around the, the club and things like that. Well, I, th I think oh, you need to be. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think what right. you need. To, I think what you need to be. I think you just need to be. Um, it's important to see in games. You need to go and watch games, and also you need to get a sense of what the league's looking like. You've got to get a sense of who's doing well in the championship, who's doing well in League One, League Two, uh, what the Premier League teams are doing. Is there anyone 
change and what, and also it feeds back in, is it? Because at some point someone might ask us, have you seen anything of Brighton? Because we've got yeah. them next weekend. So then you've got a thought process on and you can you can pass that across. Um, but it's important to be to be seen in terms of in football. So you, you're there just knowing that you're doing the job probably. So, and in terms of, obviously a lot of work goes on behind the scenes that people don't don't see, watching videos, watching games um, and doing that. And and, it, and it's good. I said, it's, it's something I... I I didn't know if I was going to enjoy or what it was, but I've actually I'm enjoying it a lot more than um, I thought it was more the culture. But I'm actually quite enjoying it because it gives me the the visual of watching games and not having that pressure of standing there and everyone looking at your seasons. But I can just enjoy it for what it is, and also then re- in, look at the people and say, see who's doing well and what's doing well and and what what, what would you do. So I'm I'm quite fortunate that way. Brilliant. And uh, yeah, I just almost fell off the sofa trying to get this phone, which has been left under my uh, <laughs> spare room in the office where I'm recording. So uh, yeah. that's an acrobatic thing. It did very well to talk through that as almost uh, wiped out. Um, but uh, oh, it's brilliant that you're happy. Do you see it long term? Is this the, the, the goal for you? Would, you? would you like to coach? Do you, what is, is that attractive? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite fortunate. I, I run a football programme at a, a private school, Langley in Norwich. Okay. So I run a, a, a boys and a girls academy within the school. So that gives me the that gives me the ability to to come in and coach if I, when when I when I want. Um, so I can I come in here. I do I do obviously do a little bit of coaching with the girls and the boys, um, which is good. So I get that side of stuff as well. And then obviously I, I get to do the recruitment side where it's it's more watching. At the, the moment, my head's very much in the recruitment mode. Um, unfortunately, I've done all my badges anywhere, so I've always got that coaching on the side. Um, it's it's a different different job because obviously. You, you're home every night and you're not away going in things, but you can get away. You go away when you need to, but then you're back yeah. to still see the girls do what they need to do. I said, I'm fortunate now that every, some weekends I get to watch me, me daughter play because she plays football on a Saturday now. So um, it's nice that I can go and support her and watch her. So it gives a bit more of a, um, a fluid life kind of, you can kind of meander where you want instead of being game Saturday, we're away all day and that's, that's what it is. Is your daughter a striker? She is winger. She, yeah. she got some pace, but I don't, I don't know where she's got it from. So my daughter's quick. Actually, I'm not. So yeah, my daughter. I don't know where she's got yeah. it from. Either. My daughter's quite quick. Well, I did. I did say it's from my wife, but I've never seen her run, so I wouldn't <laughs> really tell you if it was uh, was her or not. But no, she loves it. It was that was the one the one pro, uh, uh, positive from the the, the pandemic. We yeah. were all were home, which had, I'd never been home for so long in my life with the girls and had them all to myself instead of. I'm going to my friend's house today. I'm going here. I'm going there. Yeah. So it was nice that I had them in the house and with us. Um, and my daughter would used to play football when she was like six and seven, and just stopped and didn't enjoy it anymore. And, then, and the pandemic got her back in the garden doing kicks and, oh, and stuff like that. And, and then she got the bug again and she found out her friends had a little team and she now plays for them. So, and then now she's obviously uh, tomorrow we've got a school game here and she's playing for the 13 boys. So, which is, which is really good. So, that was the one positive I can take out of the pandemic that she's actually uh, getting into it now. I just wish she'd not wasted two and a half years because she's quite good. So she wasted two years of training. My daughter could kick with both feet, but she refuses to play football. She wants to do ballet and dancing. <laughs> so it's like, it's a bit frustrating, but you can't push them. It's the worst thing you can do is, is to actually try and Yeah, and that's what I didn't want to do. I didn't want to be that pushy dad that said to her, look, you need to play football because you're good at it. And that's my wife used to bad to me all the time saying, you need to get her back in. It's like, she'll, when she comes back and she comes, she decides and comes and enjoys it. She'll do it. So, and and that's what's happened. So it's good. It just gives me the opportunity to watch her. I said sometimes I need to keep my mouth shut. Sometimes, but <laughs> yeah, my, if my wife was a footballer, I think it'd be easier. To be honest, I think she doesn't see me as a role model. She sees me as a bit of a, an entertainer. So it's an interesting thing. It's a, yeah. Different, different role. For is that what you class? Is that what you class yourselves now? Well, I don't know. The light relief, I think, <laughs> like that. You know, take her out. Sort of like she's not fussed about what my thoughts are on most things, other than like, can we go? Can we go for a, a McFlurry or something? It's a different, different thing. Well, mine are all the, mine is still the same. The three of mine did exactly the same. So I, I wouldn't say she thinks, listens to what I say about football. She just nods. So yeah. I said, yeah. what do I, what do I know? I was trying to explain the old firm game to her last night, Celtic and Rangers, but I'm not sure she was uh, massively transfixed by it. <laughs> Yeah, you got you got about. I'll, she's probably thought I'll humour him for thirty seconds, and then I'll just walk yeah. off. No, I know, I know. It's interesting. We would we'd like her to have a hobby. I mean, she's got ballet because my wife said that you know for for teenage years that it could be particularly choppy for girls when they start you know older boys start yeah. around stuff like that. That she's got a sort of first hand experience of it. Girls tend to grow up quicker, but having a hobby might carry them through more. Yeah, 
Well, as I said, one of my the youngest one used to the eldest one used to dance. She's just stopped now, and she used to do gymnastics. So, but um, yeah, look, I think it's important just to get them to do stuff, isn't it? That's the, yeah. We're fort- we're fortunate here because obviously they're at the, at the school with me, and we do a lot of sport. So mm. they're constantly doing doing the, the sport on a daily or well, daily basis, basically. So it's it's good for them. It gives them that engagement of group mentality and different stuff. So socialising, pretty good to be. And learning a skill as yeah. well. It's good for you, isn't it? Learning a learning skill. skill. Developing. And just getting them out. It's hard enough getting them out. I said, they were talking about Carlisle there, trying to get my nephew and that to a car. I said, how do you get a young boy to a game now? You got, you, I said, this is the trouble you got. I said, you can get up now and watch yourselves on, on mm-hmm. Sky and see all the team news and everything that's coming in. You can watch soccer on first thing in the morning if you want to do football. Yeah. You can then listen to the team sheets coming in. He can then go and get his own dinner and go and play on his PlayStation for an hour and a half. Mm. At th- or he can watch the 12.30 game. He can then watch yourselves at three o'clock and watch it all the way through the scores while he's playing his PlayStation. Yeah, or Twitter or whatever, getting the updates. Or whatever, or yeah, whatever he's yeah. on. And then he's, then at five o'clock, he then has his dinner or whatever it is. Then he walks downstairs and watches whatever Premier League games on the TV and he's something on his comfy sofa and stuff. And I'm like, how do you get them back to the ground? I said, because I'm, I'm, what I'm offering him is go to the ground. He is... Here's our thing. There's your pie. There's your pasty. There's the cold stand. That's, that's the magic. The fo- yeah, that's the magic. There's the there's the, there's the football. He's all right when he's there. He's just trying to get them there. That's the whole point. They don't see that side of stuff. They see these. They walk into a crowd of. They see on the TV sixty, seventy thousand. The noise is unbelievable. And then you're walking into grounds that have got three thousand in yeah. there, and it's not. There's not. There's a. Well, the downside of working in my job, though, is they don't. We're often in a studio, like you say, not at a game. And when I get a chance to go down to Cheltenham, you can go in at ten to three. You know, like you say, yeah, yeah actually enjoy it. it. It's just brilliant. You can go in the atmosphere, the smells, the whole part of it is in a Premier yeah, League. Premier League's an operation. Yeah, mine's league. yeah the Premier, the trouble, as I said, the trouble you got the Premier League, the whole life sucked out before you even get in now. Yeah, I said we a lot of my friends around here now because I still play for um, the local team, Roxham, just helping them out when yeah. when they're struggling and stuff. Is that where's that Norfolk? Yeah, Norfolk. Yeah, so. Uh, it's only I haven't been playing as much obviously with West Ham literally takes off nearly most of my time so hmm. um, but I've been helping them out and stuff and all my friends from the girls football have all been going there because oh, they can just walk in and walk they can walk one side they'll go that side turn round go the other side have a, a their dad's having a beer at the bar walking around with it round the ground yeah, and yeah. stuff and it's just yeah. like they just absolutely love it so they've actually going there now instead of going to Norwich because it's a better atmosphere for the girls and they can hear everything that's getting said and different stuff so I still love the non-league side. I'd rather go and watch non-league games and a good non-league game is better than, than anyone you've seen because the, the referees are never at the standard that you expect because they're all learning. The yeah, players are getting better. Stay in the centre circle, the standards yeah. Getting yeah. Better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay in the centre circle. The, the standard's getting better in terms of players because like you said, Mop, it's easier. It's easier now. We were talking about it yesterday from, from step. What, so you go National League then you go with the one before. The, the one below is there, like south. Southern. Yeah, North and South. More, that's probably near enough a better as good a league as the National League because they won't go because they've all got a job and the people yeah. in that league are still paying £300 a week so they've got £300 a week that's probably coming to them and then also they've got the job on top so it's like why do I want to go to National League full time when I can sit here do what I need to do and get a job and, and that job sustains me so yeah, that league's getting better than the National well, League it's regional so you're not travelling as far yeah yeah a C- couple of hours three hour, two hours tops and you're back home on a Saturday night so that's the trouble we've got. Is it's it's becoming that not as lucrative to actually go up, and that's where where it's quite scary. The National League get more exposure staying in the National League because of BT putting them on every week. Mm. Then actually they're going to League Two, they don't get seen. No, it's hard they're to get no, games a season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, when I, I remember when I started playing, loads of League Two games got put on, loads of League One games got put on, and there was a bit of exposure about what was going on. But now because you can get so many rights, obviously with the Premier League, then there's no point. Yeah. What and I get it. What's the point of putting a League Two game on against Man City v Liverpool? Yeah, no. Unless you're really di- unless you're really tired, you're not going to watch it. Are or you? even so, Norwich Watford or whatever. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of yeah. Premier League games. It's like, yeah. it's like what what you're going to do. So I, I don't know how to change it, but that's a bigger job for someone else. I think. But right, lost to, lost to do, man. We'll put it all right over the time. Really appreciate your time. Fantastic, especially on a work day. You're at the school now, so. It's it's amazing no, right. to get your insight. I think it will help a lot of people because in work or life, we sport or life, we have a lot of setbacks, don't we? I think your your story is one that you just keep going and, and try and enjoy it as well. Enjoy the journey. This is key. Yeah, the enjoy. If you don't, if the whole key is enjoyment, you need to enjoy it. If you don't do that, then there's no point doing it. So that's a, the average of everything, really. Well, thank you, man. Good luck with it all. We'll, we'll stay cool. in touch. Appreciate it, Grant. Thank you. No worries, pal.
Well, I really enjoyed that. I hope you liked it. How did you find it? Certainly for me, it's always surreal, actually, as a sports broadcaster now for not far off 20 years, but I suppose 15 years in national broadcasting. It's always strange when you realise players like Grant have been retired for a few years now. Very similar age to me, actually, just a few months older than me, Grant Holt. So it's, it's always a surprise when suddenly you realise he's, he's in another chapter of his life. And interesting how he's made that transition, how he stayed in football. No surprise, really, when you hear about his passion. And I think that's a good lesson, isn't it? I don't know what you think, but that passion is something that does gird us, guard us against disappointment, setbacks. And if you can retain that enjoyment, I think that was always a thing in sport as well. As soon as it became serious, became subject to judgment from external factors, other people, other opportunities, then maybe sometimes that internal, intrinsic joy of it can be lost. But Grant didn't do that through the setbacks early in his career to rebuild, to become a Premier League player. As I say, a household name in, in the UK football circles, certainly in broadcasting circles. So great to have him on the podcast. Appreciate his time, especially as he's so busy with West Ham United and interesting to hear how he's trying to discern possible talent for West Ham, although they're a fabled club that will be shopping and competing for players with elite level, super rich clubs with potentially billions of pounds in the bank, which West Ham don't have so it's it's an interesting one and really appreciate his insight let me know if you enjoyed it you can review the podcast rate it be fantastic on spotify itunes wherever you're listening to it now number of platforms I think 12 or 13 platforms you can listen to this podcast or indeed you could email me if you like hello at drapermedia.co.uk and just pass it on to a friend it would be fantastic if you have enjoyed it always powerful those referrals so thank you for listening thank you as ever to the sponsors bang olufsen of cheltenham and serene av who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations check out bang olufsen of cheltenham website bno underscore cheltenham on social media particularly instagram actually got some great videos of the latest that releases headphones etc but through that company serene av always stress that they can source you whatever suits your vision of a home entertainment system big screen whatever it may be not necessarily bagnell olufsen equipment although that equipment is uh, fantastic and thank you also to cytoplan if you are looking to optimize your immunity remember the discount code associated with this podcast at cytoplan.co.uk c-y-t-o-p-l-a-n.co.uk is draper10r so go to check out the code is draper10r my last name d-r-a-p-e-r all capital letters the numerals one zero and the capital letter r well thank you very much for listening to the podcast if your kids are on half term holiday which is kind of a break between christmas and easter in this context for people who are listening from outside the uk Best of luck with that, entertaining entertaining the young ones and to hope the, uh, the weather isn't too choppy this week. And I will speak to you again soon. Thank you very much for listening. Appreciate it. Goodbye for now.